What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the podcast where I get to listen to your questions, pray with them, and hopefully respond in such a way that is helpful for you to become a saint in your walk toward eternity. Uh, here's the show goes. You hit me up with your questions about uh, relationships, about our faith, about apologetics, about discipleship, catechesis, love, justice, and mercy. The list goes on and on and on. I will sit with your questions. I will pray with them. I will study. And hopefully I'll respond in such a way that is helpful for you to grow as a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're a first time listener, hit me up with your own questions, comments, and critiques at www.assistorpress.com slash askfatherjosh. You can also rate us and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and other podcast formats. And you can share us on your social media pages. If the show is good for you, it might be good for other people as well. Again, this is our new season of Ask Father Josh. And uh, it's a different season. Uh, throughout the season, you'll have some shows with just me, other shows with me and a friend. And that way you get different perspectives on the same questions. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be exciting. So just stay tuned throughout the season to meet my friends and to hear what we have to say about our Catholic faith. On today's show, we're going to be talking about the Eucharist. So I was able to compile a bunch of questions together that were about the Eucharist. And, and put them into a concise question that I think will answer a lot of your questions that you sent me over the years. Uh, sometimes it takes me, hey, look, don't look, don't feel bad if you send a question in two years ago. I'm just getting to it today. Because if you see myself and it's a people be calling me, Father Josh, why don't you ever text me back or email me back? Right now I have 13,554 unread emails. I have 22 unlistened to voicemails and 107 unread text messages. So it is not you. It's me. It takes time. You know, like, so I, I get them. It's kind of like praying, you know, like, like, like the Lord gets our prayers, but, but he be taking his time to, 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 uh, to answer. <laughs> I did not just compare myself to the Lord. My bad. But uh, so I'm, I'm just now getting to some of your questions from a couple of years ago, but it's cool because we are in this for the long run. I pray. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about the Eucharist, but before we get to the Eucharist and how it is a personal encounter between us and Jesus, no matter where we're at, whether we are in a state of grace or in mortal sin, I want to share with you a glory story. So my, my glory story is this, it's about the Eucharist. So this past year in our RCA class, we brought in a number of, of new Catholics. And what was beautiful for me was hearing their stories. All three of them came from different backgrounds that came into the church um, from being Protestants. And they all had a hunger for the Eucharist. They all wanted Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. And it was knowing that they couldn't receive the Eucharist because they, they had not made their first confession, because they were not confirmed yet, that is what drew them to become Catholic, was I want the, the bread of life. I believe that is Jesus Christ, and I want him. And so because they wanted the Eucharist, because they wanted to be in that kind of a relationship with God and the Blessed Sacrament, they began to study the faith, the teachings of the church, and they fell in love with the, the church. They fell in love with the church's teachings, but it was all rooted in, and it all began with, a longing and a hunger for the Eucharist. So, and the glory story is, it's good to invite people to wait. And I, I know there are some 
there are some priests who are like, oh, we should just let anybody receive. But, but that's, first of all, you, you don't do that, right? Uh, because you need to be of one faith and one mind and one heart when you receive the body of Christ. And you need to, you need to go to confession so you're not in sin. But, but also, it's, it's, there's something about the weight of, uh, of, okay, during this process of waiting to receive the love of my life, the one I'm being drawn to, I get to learn more about him and learn about what he cares about, the church. Uh, and so they're all super faithful now, and they're uh, they're just rocking it here at the, at the church of Sacred Heart and at our school, Sacred Heart School, and it makes me so happy. So the Eucharist is worth waiting for. Like <laughs> love is worth waiting for. The Eucharist is worth waiting for as well. So just just hold on and wait, and invite people to wait. With that being said, let's jump into today's question. All right, so today's question is about the Eucharist being personal. So here's the question, Father Josh. I understand that we need to approach the Lord with reverence, but the Lord and the Eucharist provides us with a personal, intimate relationship. And we oftentimes can be messy, simple, blunt, confused. Do we have to wait until we have it all together before we approach the Lord? Obviously, I know we need to be free of mortal sin before we receive the Lord, but do we wait to approach him before the Blessed Sacrament to be perfect? Or what do we do? It's a really great question. So it reminds me of, of, of this. The church that we are all a part of is, is a messy church. And, and as Pope Francis has said on a number of occasions, we are not a museum for the saints. We are a, a hospital for sinners. And this idea that we have to be perfect, that we have, to have all our stuff together before we can approach an intimate personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ in the Blessed Sacrament is not founded on anything true. Because the apostles were messy. They were broken. And when Jesus approached them, they were messy. Matthew was a tax collector who had a conversion, but he was a tax collector when Jesus approached him and entered into a dialogue with him. Peter was a fisherman who had a cursing problem and an anger problem. Uh, and, and that problem didn't go away when he first encountered Jesus. He walked with Jesus for three years, and after three years, he was still cursing, and he was still mad, and he still had wrath, and he customized ear off. Like, Peter was a mess for a long time, but Jesus didn't say, Peter, you can't walk with me anymore because you're such a mess. Even when Peter denied Jesus and abandoned Jesus, Jesus came back to Peter again and again and again. So Jesus wanted to be in a relationship with Peter, and he wanted to draw Peter to be a saint, because the more time we spend with Jesus, the more we are transformed by him. It's like the sun. If you go outside, if you go to the beach, if you go fishing, you're out in the sun, the sun changes us, right? Jesus Christ changes us over time. But he, he calls us to come to him as we are. Now, I didn't say receiving the Eucharist yet. I'm not getting there. But to come to the Eucharist, adoration, to come to Mass, to be with him in worship, to be near him with other people who are sinners. At the beginning of Mass, what's the one prayer that we all pray around the, the world? The Cathedral. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I've done and in what I've failed to do, my sins of omission and commission, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. We say, I have sinned. 
Everybody in church is sin. The priest, whenever I'm uh, about to celebrate the Eucharist, I get the altar service to wash my hands. And I, and I say a prayer, like, purify me, Lord, right? Because I, I, my sins, even the priest, we're, we're, all, we're all sinners. The, the nuns are sinners. Pope John Paul II was a sinner. He went to confession once a week. He wouldn't go to confession once a week. In all of our churches, we have confessionals. We have confessionals in our church because we, we're saying this is a place where sinners are supposed to come. <laughs> We come here and we have a confessional in the church. And I got that cool old school confessional in my church, like with the screen. I love it. It's the best. But we have four of my church, four confessionals in my church. Why? Because clearly at one point in my church's history, at Sacred Heart Jesus, we recognized that we needed a lot of confessionals because we had a lot of sinners. And that's where sinners get cleaned up in the confessional. So we ought to be coming to God as we are, not as we could be, would be, or should be if we got perfect. It's like, People who say, I, I can't pursue a relationship with somebody until I'm 100% virtuous. Like, no, like, God purifies you over time. You're never going to be 100% virtuous. They're never going to be 100% virtuous. Don't have those fake expectations and ideals. You ought to strive for virtue. And if you are aware of you have, like, some serious, like, vices that are not allowing you to be free right now, well, then, yes, then you should not, right, pursue. But as long as you're striving for virtue and you're working towards holiness— you, if you're waiting until you're perfect or they're perfect, then you're going to wait until you die and go to heaven because you ain't perfect until you get to heaven. And they won't be perfect until they go through purgatory and they're in heaven. So we need to be open to, yeah, just coming to the Lord, like coming to the Lord as a friend. I don't understand whenever we sin against God and then I hear people say, well, I can't go to mass because I can't receive communion. I'm like, wait a minute. Wait, so you sin against God. And blessed be God, you're not receiving communion in a state of serious sin, moral sin. But why are you now giving God the cold shoulder? Why, why are you making him suffer? He wants us to come to mass. And we're saying, I'm not coming to mass because I've hurt you. Like, like don't take it out on Jesus. Like, we come to him. Come to him. That's what John did. After John sinned against Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane and abandoned Jesus, he came back to Jesus on the cross. And it was hard to be there. But he was there with Jesus as he suffered. He showed up. He didn't say, Jesus, I'm going to ignore you and avoid you because I sinned against you. Now he went to go be with Jesus. And so we don't come to Mass to receive the Eucharist. Like that, that's like a lie uh, that a lot of people think that Mass is, the whole point of Mass is to receive communion. No, the point of Mass is to worship God. Receiving communion is a bonus. It's an extra gift. But we are only called to receive communion like, by the church one, like, at least once a year. Now, it's, it's good to receive communion every day if you're in an innocent of grace, but we don't have to receive communion for Mass to be Mass. We go to Mass simply to worship God, whether we receive communion or not. Mass is about worship of God. And so we should not give God the cold shoulder because we are not in a state of, of grace. We come to the Lord, and by coming to the Lord, He begins to purify us and transform us and heal us and redeem us and restore us. I've seen this happen so many times. Whenever I was at LSU uh, 10 years ago almost, my first year as a priest, we had a student, uh, and, and she had left the church when she was in high school after confirmation, came to LSU to study, gets to LSU, and doesn't go to Mass her freshman year, sophomore year, or junior year. Well, after her junior year, that summer, she went to do an internship, and when she came back, uh, while she was at her internship, that's whenever I began ministry at LSU with our team of disciples. And so me and the team of disciples I was w working with, we began to do small group Bible studies on campus. And a bunch of her roommates and friends started coming and we discipled them. And by the time she got back in the fall for her last year of college, all of her best friends were now disciples. They were coming to mass, going to confession, 
participating in praise and worship. They were facilitating small group Bible studies on campus, coming to retreats, doing mission trips. Uh, they were all on board. And she came back and she said, what are y'all doing? Like, who are y'all? <laughs> like, we never did churchy things. And now you're doing churchy things. What's going on? And they're like, yeah, we encounter Jesus. And we like, we love him. And so she came to me. She's like, look, Father Josh, I'm a fallen Catholic. I am. And she told me everything. Like she was like, uh, uh, <laughs> it, was, it was a lot. It was a lot. And she gave me all her, her list of things and reasons why she thought the church was backwards and she didn't believe that Jesus Christ was, was God and whatnot. But she said, these are my best friends. And so if they're here, I'm going to be here with them, but I don't want to be here. So I don't want you to think, I don't want you to think by seeing me that I'm like trying to do all this stuff. I just, I don't want to be alone my, my senior year. I don't feel like finding a group of new friends. I say, cool. I'm happy you're here. You just keep coming. And so I kept inviting her to Bible study. She's like, I, you know, I don't believe in the Bible. Cool. Just keep coming to Bible study. You want to come to adoration? Yeah, I, I, I'm going to come. I don't like one. It's, it's a quiet place. Are they doing praise and worship? It's like nice and peaceful, but like, I don't want to be here, but I'll come. Okay, cool. I am so happy you're here. And so is God. Come to Mass. Like, again, don't receive communion. You don't believe it's Jesus and you need to go to confession. But like, do come to Mass. Just come to Mass to sit with your friends for our night Mass, Sunday night Mass. And y'all go out to eat after. Keep coming to Mass. Start coming to Mass, Bible studies, adoration, praise and worship. She was welcomed by the, by the community. And eventually she came to see me. She's like, Father Josh, you know, after coming here for you know, a few months, I, I, um, it's kind of cool. And I feel like I feel very welcome. And, you know, Jesus, I guess Jesus, Jesus ain't that bad. He's kind of cool. I'm like, yeah, yeah, great. I love you being here, so does he. So just keep coming. I'm not asking you to change. I just want you to keep coming out of reach because I knew what was happening. I knew by like just, just going with the process that Jesus was doing something in their heart. There's no way you could spend time with God and God not transform us. And so after a number of months after that, she comes back to me. Hey, Jet Father Josh, um, yeah, you know, I, uh, I not only love Jesus now, but I, I think I'm starting to understand the church, you know, right? right? Praise God. And I was able to connect her with a spiritual director, get her with a priest for confession. She comes back to church. A few months after that, hey, Father Josh, uh, I think God's called me to be a nun. <laughs> All this happened because she was welcomed to be in a relationship with Jesus as she was. We told her, you belong here. You belong here. And because she felt like she belonged, she began to believe the gospel, believe Jesus, believe the church his bride. And after she believed, she behaved like a disciple and she repented and she began to follow the Lord and imitate the Lord and grow in holiness. See, too often in the, in the church, we, we say in order for you to have a relationship with Jesus, you have to believe these things. And if you don't believe these things, you don't belong or you have to behave this way. If you don't behave this way, you don't belong. And that we, we stop people from ever entering the church. I cannot tell you how many people I've walked with who literally were living in mortal sin who struggled with the teachings of the church, who were anti-Catholic, who were anti-Christ, who were involved in things that are really bad. But when we met them at the church, our campus ministry, or the different assignments, we just said, we love you being here. Keep coming back. They keep coming back. And when people keep coming back, then eventually they change. I remember another time I had, had another person who was coming to church like scantily clad. This person came to church off the streets, scantily clad to, to church. And we saw her and we like, hey, we love you being here. You want to join a Bible study? Great. She joins a Bible study. She gets plugged in, rooted in the word of God. And from being invited to the, the community, from being invited to, to the word of God, from being invited to adoration, blessed sacrament, Jesus, sacred scripture studies, Jesus' voice, right? To participate um, in all the things we're doing in the parish. Said person, again, like the student at, at LSU, 
huge conversion. And guess what? Also discerns religious life. This happens so many times in so many different assignments with so many different people because that's what God calls to like to help people. Do, like He meets people where they're at and then he draws them to the heights of holiness. But if we expect people to be at the heights of holiness when they first come back to church, we're going to push them away. We will push them away. And so, yes, the Eucharist is personal. And we are called to just come and be in a relationship with Jesus Christ in the Eucharist. But that does not mean that we need to be receiving the Eucharist until we are in a state of grace. Once we get in a state of grace, then we can have that kind of relationship with the Lord. But just because we're not in a state of grace and we're not ready to receive communion doesn't mean he's not asking us to come to adoration and read scripture. Doesn't mean he's not asking us to come to mass and worship him without receiving communion. He wants us to come to the tabernacle. He wants us to, to be close to him. He wants us to look at him, to, to sit with him face to face, to be with him. And from being with him over time, he would draw us to an even deeper relationship. Uh, and I've seen, I'm, I'm telling you, I've seen it so many times. Yeah, that's what I got to say about that. So we are messy. The church is a hospital for sinners. But remember, in the hospitals, there are doctors. Jesus Christ is the divine physician. And so you come to this uh, hospital so the divine physician can, can heal us over time, over time. There's always layers. There's always more. There's always more. So with that, we're going to take a break. And we come back, I'm going to talk about a saint uh, who went without communion, but continued to go to mass, even though he didn't receive communion. Hi, I'm Father Gregory Pine. I'm Father Jacob Bertrand Jancic. And we're the hosts of Catholic Classics. Join us for season two of the podcast, where we will read and explain the Confessions by St. Augustine. So the Confessions, it's a classic, we all know that, but why read it? In this book, St. Augustine testifies to God's power, God's ability to draw him from a life of sin and error into a life of holiness and of genuine service of God's people. And not only are the confessions a testimony to St. Augustine's life, but also a testimony to the way by which God works in each of our lives, bringing us from our sin to a life of holiness, drawing us ever more and more into God's very own life. To follow along, you can find the reading plan at ascensionpress.com slash catholicclassics. And we are back. Welcome back to the show. Uh, don't forget, you can rate us and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and other podcast formats. You can also share us on your social media pages. If the show is good for you, it might be good for other people as well. Our saint for the day is a saint I've talked about in the past, but I wanted to share this side of his story with you that maybe you did not know before. Of course, St. Marky Tai Ching, he's that, that great saint in China who was a doctor and a husband and a father. And when he had a stomach illness, he took um, opioids because that was the medicine at the time. They didn't know the negative effects that, that drug would have on people. He became addicted to that drug and he couldn't stop using it. And so he lost his job, he lost his family, uh, but he did not lose his faith. And so he kept going to mass, kept going to confession. He was confession every day almost, because every day he used, every day he would go to confession and then the addiction would take over and he would use. Unfortunately, the priest at that time did not understand addiction. So his priest told him, you're not really sorry because you keep doing the same thing, so you can't receive communion anymore. So he kept going to confession, but he did not receive communion. Um, and so he would go to mass and he would pray his rosary and he would adore the Lord and he would worship God, but he didn't receive. Even though he could not receive, he didn't say, well, I'm done with God now because God didn't tell him you can't come worship me anymore. God didn't tell him you can't be in relationship with me anymore. So he remained in relationship with God while he was addicted, while he was falling to his, his vice, his bad habit, drugs. And because God never gave up on him, because God allowed him to keep coming to him, to be with him, to worship him in that church. Whenever um, his people were persecuted, he died a martyr and he refused to deny God because God did not stop him and prevent him from still worshiping him. 
um, even without receiving communion. And so uh, I, I encourage us to get to know that story because, again, I've known so many people who've said, Father Josh, I don't go to church because I can't receive. We don't go to church to receive. We go to church to worship. Receiving is an extra gift. Receiving communion is a great, great gift. It's the greatest. It's a great gift, huge gift. I love it, right? But don't allow that to stop you from worshiping God because mass is not about you and it's not about me. It's about him and us showing up to be with him in this representation of Calvary, right? Where Peter did not go and where James and Thomas did not go, where Matthew did not go, we could say, well, Jesus, I'll go. When Mary and John were there, it wasn't fun. It wasn't exciting. It was painful. And it might be painful to go to mass if we're not receiving communion, but it was painful for them and they still went. And so we can go too, because it's about God. So let's just be reminded of that, that great gift that it's always going to be about God. So St. Mark Utaiching, we invite you to pray for us that we may always remember that it's not about us. It's all about Him. Until next time, I'll see you in the Eucharist and I'll just be with you when you hear me on the podcast next week. <laughs> Deuces! <laughs> <laughs>